Hi, I'm Sarah Wilmore and welcome to my Women's Golf Podcast. In each episode, I will be interviewing a different woman from the golf industry, delving into their careers. I will explore how women have broken down barriers and reveal the untold stories of our sport. Today's guest is golfer Lily Mae Humphreys. Lily is ranked 19th in the World Amateur Golf Rankings and plays in the England women's team. Some of her achievements include winning both the Irish and Welsh Women's Open Straight Play Championships in 2019. Lily was a member of the 2018 Great Britain and Ireland Curtis Cup team and she represented Europe in the 2019 Junior Solheim Cup. In December, Lily played in her first major tournament, the US Women's Open. And in a matter of days, she will be jetting off to America to compete in the Augusta National Women's Amateur for the second time. Hi, Lily. How are you? Good, thanks. You? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Welcome to the Women's Golf Podcast and a belated happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> you have a good day? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, different being at home, but yeah, it's nice to spend time with the fam. <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine you must travel a lot as well. Yeah, it's different. I'm not used to being at home for so long, but yeah it's something different just can't wait to get back to normal <laughs> yeah whatever normal might be yeah <laughs> so how have you been spending lockdown um just been practicing and stuff um there's not much really to do I've learned how cooking baking and that and I've been doing house chores I've been doing lots of home-like things I guess as well as my practice in the garden throughout the different lockdowns and stuff Okay, that's quite cool. So um, mm. you started your golfing journey at Top Golf. Could you explain a bit more about how that all started? Um, my brother always played golf, and um, as he grew up, all his friends are still involved in golf, and one of them kind of coached up at Top Golf. So when I was like ten, he kind of took me up to Top Golf to have a go at golf, really, and I really really enjoyed it because it was so much fun up there and stuff so that's kind of how it started for me yeah so do you still go back to top golf now um yeah I have done throughout the years I always kind of go back there it's a really really nice place to go it's really like friendly there everyone's all the staff's really nice and it's a different way of practicing for me really it's fun <laughs> yeah were there many other girls when you first started playing um not really um it's hard to find like girls like my age at the time really at golf clubs and ranges really because all my friends even in county where we're like spread out it's hard to find like a couple at the same golf club so so it's a little bit hard with that so it's always like just one girl and a bunch of boys at golf clubs so yeah it's different to most other sports really in that kind of way do you think it's changed at all as you've got older? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's You always had, like, kids' classes, kind of like where you would go as a group of, like, kind of 10-year-olds and that for the boys, but now there's, like, also just girl groups where all the girls can come and practice and stuff to help encourage girls because I think when you're young, you don't always want to be with the boys a bit because of maturity I guess and other things so I think it encourages girls to want to go if you know there's going to be another few like you I guess yeah well I know that you're quite a long hitter did you find playing quite a lot with the boys growing up that that pushed you to try and hit the ball further yeah I think it did really um I'm very competitive so when we play like monthly medals and stuff junior events you kind of wanted to compete with the boys and that and you kind of learn playing like a boy a bit like hitting it a long way and stuff so it kind of encourages that side of the game really for me because I remember always wanting to try and hit it as far as them when I was like 11 I guess so yeah help me try and hit further <laughs> oh yeah definitely I mean when I started playing I think I was the only girl at my golf club and I remember doing quite a lot of match play events with the boys 
and you'd play against boys from other clubs and they definitely didn't like to be beaten. Yeah, I know. They never like being beaten by a girl, especially if you're younger than them. Yeah. I think the classic for me was when I was about 11 or 12 beating an 18-year-old boy. I don't think he was very impressed. Yeah, I don't think he would have been happy about that. (laughs) So who inspires you, Lily? I mean, you said there that there weren't many girls when you were growing up. Did you look up to any female pros at all? Um, I always liked Lexi as a player. I've always grown up knowing about Lexi, so she kind of inspires me really because she's quite an inspirational person, like really nice person, genuine. She's really, really nice. I think she's a good role model to have when I was growing up, definitely. So what motivates you to keep pushing forward with your goals then? Um, Wanting to be on tour and I want to be good enough to do, um, basically to be as good as I am as an amateur, as a pro version. That's what inspires me and I always want to push myself and try and compete against people like Lexi, Nelly Corder, people really high up at the game. I just want to be good enough for that. Well, you're, of course, ranked 19th in the world amateur golf rankings at the moment. So to get to 19th in the world, or I'm I'm assuming you're aiming for number one in the world, that would be incredible. Yeah, I want to do as best I can. And I feel like I have the potential to reach number one, I guess. But obviously the tough thing in golf is actually being able to like push yourself to achieve that. It's a lot of work to be able to achieve it. You know you're capable, you just need to put in the time and heart to actually be able to give yourself a chance to get there. Yeah. Well, I know you're talking about turning pro quite soon, potentially at the end of this year. Have you spoken to many other pros about what it takes to move from the amateur game to the professional game? Um, Yeah, I know a fair bit about it. With the lockdowns, England Golf did like, Zoom calls with players and stuff. Like we've had George Hall, Charlie uh, Hull and Bronte Lawn, people like that, and like Tommy Fleetwood. And they just said to us like what it takes to kind of like transition and stuff. But it obviously happens different to everyone because people are at the same level in their amateur game. And then their start of their pro career is always very different. But yeah, it's just, it's kind of like you just need to like, not think it's a big deal almost, try and just keep playing your game, you're in control of you, whereas obviously you panic about having to suddenly get way better than you are instead of trusting your game, that you've done good with what you've got. Really, you just need to trust yourself and keep doing what you're doing and see how that goes. You said there about trusting your game. Have you ever had times in your career where you've tried perhaps changing things in your swing and then or in any aspect of your game, and then reverting back to what you did originally? Yeah, I've had that with a few bits and bobs. I feel like everyone goes through it. It's just a matter of when and how far down the line you went with it, obviously, because everyone always gets tempted to change your game just to think, I'm good at that, but I could be better. Will I change it? But I've done it a few times with like passing technique because it's not always the most methodical way of passing and I've tried a few times over the years and I've gone through with doing a setup change mostly and it doesn't I kind of go backwards a bit and I'm like well if I practice it'll get better but it never really has so I resort back and it's always straight back to good so kind of learn that just keep practicing with that and I can just get good with that playing technique and similar in the swing you kind of learn what's best for you, really, yeah. Yeah, well, I tried changing my passing quite a bit and it was a painful process to go through and I think my golf's better for it. But originally you almost feel like you've been thrown in at the deep end that suddenly you're playing a whole new game and your technique's just totally changed. Is that how it feels like for you? Yeah, it feels like that. It's not like the norm. Some things obviously are contradictory against what you're not used to thinking out on the golf course 
like when you go through a big swing change, you're used to like when you're on the course and you start hitting it a bit off and going to this swing fort to help you get through it. But when you've changed it, you kind of need to go to something else, which you're not used to. It's just getting used to what the new normal is, really. Yeah. That's what it's like. So you were homeschooled since leaving primary school. How did that allow you to develop your golf? Um, it gave me the time to be able to practice because obviously living in England, it's tough practicing in the winters when you're at school. So I used to finish school at like quarter past three and obviously it's dark at four. So by the time I drove to the club and stuff, I didn't really have much time to practice like outside other than a range. Um, so, and the year before when I got quite low and my handicap down to five, um, other parents said to my parents, oh, it'll be a, a really good opportunity for me to get really good at golf if I was homeschooled, which they didn't really think of. Plus, I didn't take up golf to do what I'm doing now. I just did it as a hobby to start with. Um, yeah, they just got advised on them, thought we might as well do it. You can always go back to school at any age and get your exams and stuff. And I can still do it at home as well. But that's kind of what it, it kind of we were fought through, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it certainly paid off all that time and effort on the practice range and on the golf course. You're renowned for being quite a long driver of the ball, as we spoke about a few minutes ago. How did you go about building that power? And was it actually something you did consciously or did it just happen naturally? It kind of happened naturally. Um, because I've always been a sporty person and I've got like the nat- a natural like sporty build. I'm not very like slim built, which kind of helps. Plus, I've never trained to be a long hitter. I think it's just like growing up with the boys and always playing with them. That kind of encouraged that a bit because boys just like hit so hard really without just because they want to. And I kind of grew up with that mentality a bit. Um, yeah, I guess it's the competitive side of me, which kind of made me follow with what the boys did a bit on that side of it. But I never practiced speed training or anything, stuff like that. It just kind of came naturally to me. And is that the same now? You still don't do much speed training or gym work? Um, not very. Um, I'm kind of working on technique and then I'm trying to fit my clubs up better, which will help me get distance because I've gained quite a few yards in distance just by um changing my swing technique which is really helping me like strike the ball properly and creating speed with all my muscles with what I've got at now yeah it seems to be working so far yeah well um we've seen Bryson DeChambeau has recently bulked up and he has also changed his swing like you were mentioning there he's become the longest hitter in the game and is performing extremely well in tournaments what do you think of his approach to the game? Um, he's obviously taking advantage of what he thinks is the best way of gaining shots on the field, but I'm a bit of an old-fashioned kind of player. I think I don't want all of golf to go that way, I guess. I like all the um, old ways of trying to like manoeuvre the ball better, I guess, all the skill in the game a little bit, but it is good what he's doing because he's trying to take every opportunity he can to get really good at the game, which is good, yeah. But just hopefully they'll, it won't all go that way, just about distance, I guess. Then thinking about all the kind of like pretty shots almost, like you see yeah. in the old days, all the fiddling around trees, all the different shapes, heights and stuff. But Bryson is good to watch because it's really different. It won't be as exciting if that's what everyone does, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be a bit boring if everyone just had a pitching wedge into every green. Yeah, I know. Everyone would be like, oh, I wish someone hit short just to show them up the five iron when they have a pitching wedge. <laughs> yeah. So um, Bryson famously said last year that he wanted to go around Augusta in a par 67, and obviously the Masters didn't go quite as well as he'd hoped. You have played at Augusta you're playing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur 
again this year you played for the first time in 2019 unfortunately you missed the cut but you did still get to play Augusta National because the whole field gets to do the practice round there on the Friday what is it like to play at Augusta? It is amazing like it's hard to recognise it because there's no people and you can actually see on like on the first tee, the ninth green's literally just like right next to it, but you don't realise because yeah. you're used to watching on TV with all the people, but it is amazing, really. Um, it's, it's really pretty. All the flowers were out when we were playing because it's just before the Masters. Course is in such good condition. And everyone always asks me, um, is it true that you can't really spot a single weed on the golf course? And it's true, really. You've never seen a golf course in better condition. It's amazing, really, just to walk around it and have a look at it firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, you were supposed to play in the tournament last year, but it got cancelled due to COVID. Were you disappointed that it didn't move to November with the... Masters tournament or were you not overly fussed because obviously it was November and we did hear lots of shouts of mud ball and the course was a little wetter than it normally would be in April yeah I was just surprised that they didn't move it kind of the week before the Masters like they normally do in April but I'm not sure really it would have been nice to play even if you did get mud balls I feel like most people wouldn't complain about playing around a place like that if you got the occasional <laughs> mud ball <laughs> I feel like you just take playing on it but luckily everyone who got invited last year is automatically playing this year which is nice and then they've added a few extra people who should have got in like this year if it was normal so it's a bit of a bigger field so they've kind of done it right with the invites still which is nice of them. But yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to play it again in um, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So do you think some of the pros are being a bit prissy then with moaning that parts of the course were a little wet in November? I feel like the people who played the Masters for the first time probably didn't moan too much about it. But People like Sergio probably would moan because he's been playing around there for so long. Probably doesn't appreciate it as much as some of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Augusta was once known as golf's most exclusive all-boys club and women weren't admitted to the club until 2012. How did it feel to play in such a groundbreaking event? Yeah, it was amazing to be able to have the opportunity to take part in the inaugural event of it. Um, just hopefully more golf clubs will follow in their footsteps and hopefully soon they might have a women's masters there, which would be amazing. But yeah, it'll be amazing just to see like more opportunities like this open up for women's golf all around the world, like amateurs and pros, just to have the opportunity to play around such great golf courses and have great venues, support them. It'll be amazing to see it progress. Did it feel like you were making history when you were there? Did it feel different to other tournaments that you play in? Yeah, in the practice round, it felt a bit bizarre. It was a feeling you never really felt before because you kind of knew this was like the first time they've ever really had women walk around and play it in that practice round. But when, you actually, when I went around and watched like the tournament, on the last day, it was like just like any other tournament almost, but with loads of crowds. It was amazing. All the support of spectators there was. It was nice to see how busy it was. And it was quite surprising because around the 18th green for the final group, it was literally like 10 rows deep or more. It was literally like it was at a pro tournament and you couldn't get a spot in to watch, wow. which was really nice to see. Yeah. I was quite surprised it was like that for the first year it had been on. Yeah, well, there was definitely a lot of anticipation leading up to it, but it must have been quite surreal being there. Yeah, it's surreal to actually kind of see it happen in front of you because you hear talk, don't you? And you're never sure what it's actually going to be like, but it definitely delivered with the talk, definitely. It was amazing. Oh, that's great. So you're playing in the tournament from... March the 31st to the 3rd of April. When do you jet off to the US? Um, I might go on the 24th or 25th just to get some practice at another golf club to get used to like 
not playing in a coat <laughs> and yeah. around some dry conditions. But yeah, hopefully I'll be able to get out there fine and get out there and have a few days of practice then. Go over um, and practice around the other golf club. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're currently in a national lockdown in the UK. I imagine you've still been doing a bit of practice because you're an elite golfer. But how has your preparation for the tournament been impacted by COVID? Um, yeah, it's been a bit annoying because I've obviously got permission off some golf clubs that I live at locally to practice there. But I probably would have tried to go somewhere a bit different to practice at with different facilities and the condition. But obviously I probably couldn't because most golf clubs may not want someone that doesn't live near them, like a local girl, to go there. But, yeah, I've just been trying to practice as best as I can with what I've got, really. And luckily I've been able to do quite a lot, so I'm very thankful for that. that I'm able to go around the course and use all the facilities that there is at the golf club available. So that's been really nice to be able to do that. That's good. So you've been managing to play some holes then as well. Yeah, I've been able to play in that because I asked if I was allowed to going on the course and just practicing is a little bit different for if like members are walking around and say something. But uh, my main golf club is very understanding of it a bit. That they just say they shouldn't moan. You're an elite athlete. You need to be able to practice for the events you're playing in. So luckily they're very understanding of it. Yeah, absolutely. And... The first two rounds of the tournament are at the Champions Retreat Golf Club, which you said you're going to try and do some practice on. What does that golf course demand from you as a player? Um, you need to be quite straight. You need to be quite precise with your second shots in because the greens are really slopey. You just need to have be able to set, section off the greens because it slopes everywhere section it off into like three areas almost and be able to hit into those and if you can do that it makes the passing a lot easier so you're not like passing over tiers and massive hills for birdies it's easier to hold your first putt and you've got a lot less chance of free putting it's quite a demanding golf course kind of leading up to the third round if you get in it's very demanding off you definitely yeah. hard so would you say it's quite similar to Augusta then in the sense that you're not firing at flags, you're going for the wider section of the green and trying to put yourself in a position where you can two-putt or hold the putt for birdie? Yeah, it's definitely positional. You just need to think what's best because you can easily just like drop shots around there if you kind of get too far away from the hole and leave yourself like a really tricky part or you go at a flag and it goes into a really bad spot in like a bunker or a slope. You need to have a very good eye in on what kind of clubs and what lines you want to hit into a green. And it really like takes the pressure off your putting. If not, you need to be putting really good around there. <laughs> so you had an excellent end to your 2020 season. You got to play in your first major championship, the US Women's Open, arguably the biggest event in women's golf. Um, that was in December. What was it like to play? It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Even though I didn't play that well, but I didn't expect too much because I hadn't really played an event since September. So I was like, it's a bit annoying playing in my first major ever and not really having much choice of prep tournament-wise coming into it. But I just went there thinking I'm going to have to just think of it as a full experience learning curve for me just so I don't get too annoyed about not playing great as I want. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it and I could see like where my game was at compared to other people's really. I really enjoyed it a lot. That's good. So what did you learn then from playing in the tournament? Um. I learned I was good enough to probably compete there. It's just like getting the experience and getting used to playing on the courses like that, like the mentality of not always going at everything. Um, yeah, because I play with like the quarters and Lexi Thompson and Cece Lewis and they didn't look, look too much better than me. So it's just like, this is like their week in, week out kind of like field that they play against and like courses. 
I like to think that after a few years of playing around in America, I could hopefully be just like that, just like them playing, hopefully. <laughs> well, you just sounded off some of the biggest names in women's golf and you stayed up till 1am to book your practice rounds with Stacey Lewis, Mel Reed, Jessica and Nellie Corder. What was it like to tear up with them? Did they give you much advice? Yeah, they were really, really nice, um, very chatty. Um, I just kind of wanted to stay back and watch them and work, watch the way they kind of worked around the course a bit, like their strategies and what they did, really. Um, but it was really good just to see the players like that up close, practising and prepping. Um, yeah, I learned that I could hit close on similar distance to them. so. And that most of them are known as long hitters. So it's good to know that if I'm not that short of them, I'm not a short hitter to be competing on the tour. So it's just like sharpening up short game and getting better with like mid irons because they were a lot better with like a seven iron in their hand than I am. And I didn't fully expect that. So it kind of taught me that I can sharpen up quite a bit with like a eight, seven, six iron in my hand. So I've been trying to work on that and try and put some distance on my irons to help make that a bit easier for me. So, yeah, I did learn a fair bit from it all. That I'm close, but there's just like little areas that I can improve. Well, you mentioned just there that you almost wanted to just stand back and watch. Did you have to pinch yourself that I am here and I'm competing with these top players in the world? Yeah. In the first practice round I did with one of them, um, I kind of thought, I can't believe I'm standing right next to them, teeing off of them a bit. I was like, I'm just used to watching them on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was kind of weird to tee up next to them. Like, they get called up to the tee, tee off then me. It was really weird. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was great fun, mm. though. So you yeah, remember... it was amazing. You remember the 2018 Curtis Cup team? And you're in the GB&I squad for the 2021 Curtis Cup in September. What do you enjoy about playing team events like the Curtis Cup? Um, I like the camaraderie in amongst the team. I love just like the team spirit of stuff that you kind of, if we're doing well, you get to celebrate with someone more because we're all in the same team. Whereas in individual stuff, you're obviously celebrating with them, but feel like they obviously played and didn't probably do as well as they wanted. Whereas it's a lot more genuine and you can't feel a bit kind of sad for them a bit because we've all kind of done well together. Um, I just love team stuff. I like friends a lot. So I like just celebrating, having fun with my friends a lot, especially when you're playing like foursomes. It's so much fun. Well, everything you're saying there is really positive about having fun, winning, celebrating together. But Great Britain and Ireland did get beaten quite heavily by the US in 2018, 17-3. What was the team's morale like that week, particularly after you lost? Um, it was similar to when we started, really. Um, we were still having fun kind of messing around with each other still. It was kind of like we did the best we can. We all played. They were obviously quite a bit better than us. Plus, you probably never get a stronger team than them ever in a team like that. So it's kind of like we didn't have high chances of winning anyway a bit, but we just tried to put up the best fight we could and thought no point getting miserable about losing about it because that's not fully the point in there. We might as well have fun together as a team still. And that's what we did. So it was still a great week. Absolutely. Well, since then, you've played in your first major championship. You've played at Augusta National. What do you hope to bring to the team to win the trophy this year? Um, hopefully some experience. And now I'm a lot better player than I was then. And um, my game's just got better since then. And hopefully I'll be able to help put some points up on the leaderboards hopefully and we should have quite a strong team coming into it now um, so that helps as well 
and we got a great captain Elaine as well still who's played through it all and has been supporting us through COVID so we've got quite a lot of good things in the team which should help us have higher chances this year of winning. So when do you begin your team preparation and have you been for a practice round yet at all? Um, we did last year or yeah like the end of 2019 crossing over to 2020 we just like went over to the golf club and practiced and that and played off the tees they were planning on using and they kind of wanted to get our opinion of what the setup was like on the holes and say what the general wind direction is and whether we should switch the tees around or change a par of the hole or something just to help us get a really good setup on it really but yeah, I know the course quite well that it's at. I've played quite a few tournaments there, so I do know it well, and it's quite a nice golf club to be playing at. Very British. <laughs> well, it's being played at Conwy in Wales, isn't it? And yeah. um, So was that getting your opinion on the course then? Was that to try and give you a bit of an advantage over the US team? Yeah, I guess so. It's just to kind of make sure there's no silly holes and they want to make sure there's like a good finishing stretch because they said that there was quite there would have been like three par fives in the last like five holes finishing and they were like is that like too many to really be finishing with in the in tight matches and we said you could probably minus one of them we probably don't need three but the finishing hole is going to be a par five which is quite good for spectating because you can go for it or lay up so quite a lot can happen so everyone kind of agreed that if you switched the nines round and made hole nine 18 it was quite a good finishing hole so that's kind of what they've done with it yeah well three par fives to finish does sound like quite a lot and you could always go minus three or three over potentially for some of those yeah, they just wanted to try and make it exciting, but they thought there might be quite a few to be finishing with and quite a lot of par fives for the course. But yeah, I think the setup's got quite good, switching the nines round. So they said it's like easier to get a lot of people watching around like the 10th tee to make it the first and stuff like that. They're doing it for like quite a lot of a spectator point of view as well, which is nice, yeah. especially for like the TV and stuff. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed watching you all play in 2018. I did watch on TV and it was really exciting to watch you all. And you're all incredibly talented as well. Yeah, thank you. So I know you were talking about turning crazy. You were initially going to go to tour school at the end of 2020, but because of COVID, the tour schools didn't happen. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But what's been the highlight of your amateur career so far? Um, it's really hard to pick, but there's quite a few memories there are, like playing around Augusta, playing in the Youth Olympics, Curtis Cup, playing Solheim, um, winning British Girls is quite high up, winning the Annika Europe is quite high up. I find it quite hard to pick stuff because they're all quite special in their different ways. It's really hard to pick just one. What was it like playing in the Youth Olympics then, where it was more than just golf that you were representing? You were representing a whole country and there were lots of different sports there. Um, it was a really unique experience because we kind of like stayed in little flats kind of thing and sharing with all the different athletes and you kind of got to learn about their sports and then when we finished our golf and that like practice you can go and watch their sports which was really fun um and it's like one big olympic village they made for us so you had like a big stage to do karaoke you saw people performing doing magic and people doing tricks and stuff and you had a food hall it's just like nothing you've ever experienced really it's just like really similar to the real thing yeah well, the Olympics is renowned for having all sorts of different sports in it. Did you learn about any sports that you'd never heard of before? Um, yeah, I, I roomed with a BMX cyclist and I didn't know what it was really. And I learned about that. Um, trying to think, 
there was a rowing girl in our flat, a, a tennis player, had quite a lot of people. We had like the sailing sport there. There were so many sports that I didn't really realise we did in the Great Britain really, but it was really fun just kind of spending time with them. And then when all our sports were like done, there was always the boxing left. And we all mm -hmm. went to watch that as a team. And just before that, we watched Taekwondo, um, which was quite fun. I kind of had to learn the rules for that to know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Taekwondo is one of these sports day where even if you're not quite sure what's going on, it's quite entertaining to watch. Yeah, I kind of thought of it as like the opposite of boxing. It's more like legs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was quite fun to watch though, all the different sports and learning about them. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Do you feel like you're missing out then because you're too old to play in the Youth Olympics? The Olympics is almost like a one-time thing in life, especially the junior one, because chances of you playing in it at 14 years old and then being able to play in it a second time when you're 18 is quite unlikely. It's kind of the luck in your age almost to be able to play it more than once that one but I'm hoping I'll be able to play in the real real one when I turn pro and that'll be quite cool to compare and say that I've done both. Well you as well as playing in the US Open you had quite a bit of experience this year playing in professional tournaments you played in the Braves Ladies series and you didn't only play you did extremely well you finished tied fourth at the Buckinghamshire tied second at Bearwood Lakes and then tied 21st in the grand final. How did it feel to compete and hold your own with some of the top pros in the country? Yeah, it felt good because um, pretty much all the pros there are like on the L.E.T. or you had like the top LPGA pros like Bronte, Charlie and Georgia, which was really good. So I got to kind of see how I competed on the exact same golf course as them. Um, yeah, it was really, really fun. It was nice to be able to play around all the great golf clubs in England as well. Um, yeah, I did really enjoy it. It was lots of fun and well-organised. It was really good of everyone who put like ideas forward for the event and the sponsors to put on such a great lot of events and hopefully it'll carry on and be a success through the years. I feel like it'll do really well. Do you feel like you've achieved everything now that you wanted to achieve in the amateur game before turning pro at the end of this year? Yeah, I feel like I have. Yeah, I've achieved quite a lot of what I've wanted to do and more. Um, I never expected to do as well as I had done in amateur golf. So I, I feel like I'm ready to kind of move on and start a new platform and have to start again almost and start working my way up through all my different achievements. What was the point where you said to yourself, yeah, I feel ready now, I want to turn pro? Ever since I was like 12, I've always thought I wanted to turn pro at 18. Always felt like I meant, um, would mentally be ready to turn pro. And I'm thinking with how stuff would go, I thought I would have played most of the amateur stuff I wanted like individually and had chances to achieve what I wanted and I would be kind of had enough of amateur stuff and want to kind of get on with being a pro and it kind of worked out exactly like that really that I've achieved everything I wanted well, up to when I was 18 which is when I wanted to always have a go at Q school and turn pro. So is the plan to target both the LPGA and Ladies European Tour tours? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to go on both tours because it would be nice to support both of them. Um, and the LET do play some great venues around the world. So I think it would be great to be able to play both, really. I'd love to be able to have the options of playing on both tours. It would be a lot of fun. And the one advantage of the L.E.T., of course, is that you'd be playing some tournaments much nearer to home. Yeah, definitely. You play a few tournaments nearer to home, um, even though quite a lot of it's in the Middle East. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, they like Dubai, Saudi and Abu Dhabi a bit, but 
they're really nice countries to play golf in with the heat. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be nice to kind of go on the other side of the world as well, like Asia, Australia and stuff, as well as just America. You've played quite a bit across the pond already. What are the main differences between playing in the US and in Europe? Um, different climates a bit, like the weather. It's quite a bit hotter most of the time. Um, different grasses. When, when you're chipping, you notice quite a bit. But... Yeah, there's like little differences, but every country in Europe has little differences of their own. That they're kind of just like a little bit separate from America. That like it's not all America and one. It's kind of like you get bits and pieces of it across Europe a little bit. But when you go to America, you kind of get all them features all in one go a bit. But yeah, kind of hard to explain you just kind of need to get used to it a little bit just the design like the shape of the courses I guess like more water and stuff and soapier greens do you enjoy the challenge though of playing different courses and having to adapt your game to it um yeah I do I do enjoy playing different like states because every state's a bit different with how the golf courses play I just like playing around different parts of the world and seeing the difference and getting to learn how to play it a bit it's a different challenge so it excites you <laughs> well I imagine a lot of people at home are thinking this is so exciting as a 19 year old to be traveling around the world do you get much time when you're at events to look at some of the sites in and around where you're playing yeah I do try to quite a lot of the time um yeah, I do look around quite a bit at the time because I like looking around different countries, like their main cities and stuff. I just, I'm a bit of a tourist. I like looking around different areas and learning about what their kind of towns are like and stuff. I like it all. Yeah. What's the best place you've traveled to? Let's uh, decide. I really like going around Nice. When I went there, I worked around Old Nice, which was really, really pretty. Um, I don't think I've looked around Hong Kong, which was quite cool. I really enjoyed that. And went to Hong Kong Island when I was there. We just got the train over and looked around there as well. Um, yeah, I can't really think. There's so many places. Yeah. I like New York when we looked around there for Curtis Cup in 2018. We got to go around there quite a few times. That was really cool. We went on a speedboat tour and got to look around the Statue of Liberty and stuff, which was really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you got an LPGA tour card, would you consider moving to America? If I was successful, I would, yeah. I feel like I'd have a base, but I'd still have a place at home as well. I kind of um, have a place in America as, like, my standard place to go to, to, like, just warm up prior to events almost. That's kind of what I'd like, go home for a couple of weeks when I come out a few days early of the event, have a base to just go to, and then travel on to the event and stuff like that. That's what I'd want to do ultimately yeah do you have a caddy or is he lined up to travel to all these events with you I've not got one lined up no I've never been much of a caddy person so I've never really thought about it much I'm gonna have to get one really <laughs> if I'm gonna be on the LPGA because you kind of need one but I'll have to find someone <laughs> so you're one of those that enjoys being in control and being able to figure out the yardages yourself yeah, I like doing it all myself, yeah. So I kind of don't trust what they do a bit, so I'd have to do it myself anyway at first until I get used to it a bit more and know that they can do it right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing Augusta then, if you could only play with three other people there, so your dream four ball at Augusta, who would it be? Tiger Woods, obviously. Um, I don't know. Um, 
I like Jordan Spieth and then maybe Lexi Thompson. That would be my ultimate, I think. Yeah, you could do yeah. girls v boys. Yeah, girls v boys. <laughs> was Tiger Woods quite a big idol for you growing up? Yeah, he was because um, my brother who got me into golf was a massive Tiger fan because he grew up in the Tiger era when he was like at his peak. So he gave me his um, old Tiger Woods book that he used to use for himself to help teach me like short game stuff because my brother was like self-taught. So he just learned from the book. So he gave it to me to help me okay. practice and stuff. Yeah. So we still have the book at home still. Yeah. It's really good. That's quite interesting that you said that because um, you've not had much interference with your swing either, have you? Um, not massively, only like recently I've been doing it, but I've tried to keep it natural quite a lot and just go with the flow a bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, feel like you're quite a natural golfer then? Yeah, I am. I'm very natural. Um, yeah, I'm just really old fashioned, aren't I? Just kind of go with the eye a bit. Natural, really natural, not over technical, really. I'm kind of like Rory a bit, like mentality, kind of see it, feel it, then do it. Don't overthink it once you get the idea of what you want to do. Do you think that's part of the reason then that you like to be in control with the yardages and you don't really like too much interference from a caddy is that you are more of a field player as opposed to relying on data and statistics and science? Yeah, I'm not a fan of like track lines and stuff. I'd rather just look at the ball and see what that's doing. And then I'll just think about what my swing's doing to create that shot instead of looking at the numbers. Um, and I'm always, I always like, once I make my decision on what I'm going to do, I'll do it. I don't want to like discuss it much, really, unless I'm a bit indecisive on it. So that's why I'm not always a big caddy person because once I've got the yardage and no where the flag is on the green, I've pretty much made my decision and I want to get on with it. I don't want to get stalled on hitting it a bit and think about the other options of it when I feel quite confident in that club. Mm. So what would be your advice then to young girls that are just starting out in the game? Um, have fun, play games, don't take it seriously, just compete against the boys. <laughs> playing competitions because I just always played in every competition having fun really any event really I did at my golf club because I didn't do it to take golf seriously and be a, like, a top player I just did it because I like sport and I wanted something to do that's the only reason I took up golf and yeah I'm where I am well we hear from top some of the top praise that once they take their golf more seriously. It is more of a career as opposed to a hobby and some of the fun can disappear. It doesn't sound like that's really happened with you. It's, are you still enjoying it just as much as when you started? Yeah, I enjoy it just as much and more. It's really nice that you get to travel around the world and make friends with people from other countries to enjoy it with. Yeah, I love it just as much as ever and more. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it'll be even more exciting when you take that next step in your career. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Yeah. So thank you so much for chatting with me, Lily. I really enjoyed hearing from you and it's so great to hear about your journey through golf and the next stage that you're about to take at the end of this year. Who would you like to see come on the podcast next? Um, I don't know Alice Hewson if you've not had her yet she's, she'll be a really good person to talk to she's quite willing to talk on these kind of things because she's been on a couple of my podcasts even though she just turned pro and I know her well but she's really got some good insights in the pro game yeah yeah well I've um I've seen Alice play quite a lot and I've watched quite a few interviews with her and she definitely seems like a very bubbly person. Yeah, she's a great person to talk to, very open, because she was only a rookie last year, so she'll have some good insights on the LET and 
a bit on playing in America and she went to American college as well. So she's got a lot of different insights to me, which will be good. Yeah, great. Well, you've obviously played a lot with Alice as well. Um, mm. Did you ever partner up much for foursomes or four ball or anything? Yeah, we did in um, the 2018 Curtis Cup and then in 2019 when we played like European team championships, we played foursomes together. We've never won, but we've like we always play well. We just never quite win, <laughs> which is a bit annoying. Because we always look good on a stroke play scorecard, but the people we play against are always just a little bit better than us, which is annoying. <laughs> Do you think it's because you're such a strong pair, though, like you said on paper, that you're almost thrown in the deep end and you're put in that position where you're probably playing against the strongest team from the other side? Yeah, that's what always happens. We're like the strongest pairing from England, so then we get thrown with the strongest pairing from the other country, which makes it really tough on us, yeah. <laughs> that's a good challenge, though. Yeah, it's good. Challenges us both. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll get to see a lot more of Alice when you turn pro as well, because obviously she's playing on the Ladies' European Tour. Yeah, yeah, she's gone. She's working to get towards LPGA too, as well as me. So we can both do that journey together. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to watching you on your journey. Thank you so much, Lily. Thank you for having me. It was really good. It was brilliant chatting to Lily today. She has achieved so much in her amateur career and I'd like to wish her the best of luck at Augusta in a few weeks. Alice Hewson, whom Lily mentioned at the end, finished tied 10th at Augusta in 2019 and I'd love to have her on the podcast. Thank you for listening and if you like what you heard, subscribe, rate the podcast and give it a five-star review. Keep listening for new episodes of the Women's Golf Podcast every other Monday with me, Sarah Wilmore.